G'day, Guitar Wankers out there in Guitar Wank World Podcast. Another one. Here we go. This is 99.38. We are a radio station, apparently, from now on. Will we ever get to 100? God knows. Anyway, we're going to continue this week with uh, the fabulous, the amazing Mr. Greg V. And we'll be playing some tracks off his album, uh, Troubadour, Tailgate Troubadour. Fantastic album. Fantastic album I have here. Uh, check it out. If you haven't already checked it out, I think get on iTunes and Amazon or... I don't know. It's a great album. You should have it if you don't have it. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to continue on with uh, Mr. Greg V. Uh, and then we're going to Scott back again. We had a fantastic guest today. You know what? I'm not going to tell you. Some people were guessing today, so um, it'll be just a nice surprise. I've told too many guests that never turned up, so might as well just stick to this one and not tell you. It's a good one. It was uh, he's pretty, pretty famous guitarist, pretty well-known. Uh, pretty badass player. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we'll get to that one too. Uh, keep going with the competitions. Uh, if you haven't done that, go to the website, sign up, leave a review on iTunes. That makes a huge difference for some reason. If you leave reviews, of course, lie if you have to. We encourage that. <laughs> um, and then uh, send us an email and let us know that you've done all those things and put you in the competition. And uh, we, I know we have some draws to catch up on, and we will do that too in the next few shows. Um, and that's about it. If you haven't bought a cap or a mug or a T-shirt and you want coasters and pics, go to the website, do yourself a favor, and purchase those things. That'll make your life better. And if you don't want to purchase those things because you have purchased those things before, bloody donate. Don't donate, bloody donate, and uh, just send all your money this way, and we will uh, use it to keep this lovely podcast afloat. Because, um, yeah, it's a, it, we seem to be a non-profit organization. <laughs> no choice of our own. Uh, but do, if you do want to uh, advertise on this Guitar Wank episode or podcast, just send us an email, and we'll make that happen, and uh, we will work out a fantastic deal for you. And we'll make sure we get your product or whatever you're selling across to the 100,000 plus listeners we have throughout the world. We'd like to say a big uh, shout out to all our Norway listeners. I know Bruce was telling me he just got back from Germany uh, and the workshop and guitar camp he did in Germany. There was uh, a couple of guitar wank fans at the at the camp which was fantastic so big shout out to the our norway listeners and all our new york listeners today um 9 11 what do you say We're thinking of you guys thinking of everyone that's ever yeah it all affected it affected us didn't it but anyway uh it's a day to remember so definitely a big shout out to all those people all right let's get into it sir greg v and uh sir bruce Scott Free and myself, and we're back into it. We'll see you all next week. Thank you for joining. Please share, like, support. We really appreciate it, and we I promise you we've got some really badass guests coming up. I'm super excited to share that with you guys, and uh, we'll go from there. Big shout-out to Brett Garsed down under. Brett, love you, mate. Thank you so much for all the support, um, and everyone that has donated recently 
huge thanks huge thank you for all the support you, you guys give it, it doesn't go unnoticed um we basically grab the money spend it on hookers and blow and uh, we have a great time it's it, it's really put to great use no i'm joking but well there's a part of me that wants to joke there's a part of me that actually wants all right let's go <laughs> let's get on to it all right shut up all right i'll talk to you guys later have a good one be safe out there let's support each other and uh, keep guitar wanking all right that in that creativity of taking what you know yourself, what you hear and conceptually understand in the world, and making it work in the moment, is where the creativity emerges. Yeah. And, and, and it's, just, it's such a great way of, of saying it, the way you said it, the way you said, you know, like distilling the parts and just hearing it and... Well, you know, okay, I mean, I need to do all this, but I can't. You can't yeah. Poss- yeah. physically do it. No. And you know, the fact is, is she didn't even hear all of that right. anyway. And a singular part may not really give this proper skeletal structure to the arrangement, because it, that skeletal part was relying on five other, three other skeletal parts for the infrastructure to support itself. Right. Right. And so again, back to the illusion right. of the parts. Exactly. You know? And, and I, know, I know the connection where this happened to me. Uh, and I, I, I didn't know it at the time, but I, I, I thought about this uh, over the years, is when you mentioned being younger, dropping the needle a million times when we all had to do that to learn songs, right? Same thing, slow it down to 16, you know, right. 33 down to 16. What happened with me was trying to learn Whoever I was trying to learn, it could have been Elegant Gypsy, you know, it could have been Race with the Devil on Spanish Highway, which was a murderous tune when I was a kid and I didn't have the, I'm left-handed, but I play right-handed, so I don't have a really... Well, me too. I, there you go, Steve yeah. Morris, yeah. you know, different yeah. players like that, but yeah. I don't have a super fast, okay, this blows my whole mood out though, because <laughs> you got a monstrous right hand. I don't have a, you know, I don't have a super fast, um, uh, you know... Um, up and down picking, you know, I have yeah. more legato and yeah. stuff and things, but so I work around it. Well, so but, am I. Well, when I was, <laughs> well, when I was a kid, I dropped the close. needle and I was trying, let's say, I don't know, let's say I was trying to learn Van Halen because I was, you know, Van Halen came out when I was a kid. There was any number of records, but let's just use that. And I would drop the needle down, try to learn a part, and you might drop it down, you might be on the solo, like, oh, I gotta learn the intro solo, right? I don't wanna learn note for note. Well, you drop the needle and you might think, shit, I dropped it back to the first verse accidentally. Yeah. Well, what I would do, after I'd already learned the verse figure, I would start to improv, waiting for the solo to kind of come around. So I'd jam around, with knowing that, okay, after this verse, this part that I need to right. work on is gone. So I'd improv. So I quickly learned how to improvise over grooves and things, even after I sort of worked them out, because I already learned it. So, um, And then if I got to the solo, whoever it might be, again, Steve, I was a huge Steve Morris fan, Dixie Dregs. Mm, and yeah. that shit was impossible guitar stuff, right? Yeah. And so I try to learn that. And then I realized I can't play this. I just physically can't play that speed. I don't know what he's doing. And uh, so what I would do is I'd make up my own shit that I thought sounded kind of close. Yeah. So what I would do is I'd get the dots. I'd get the beginning first like lick of a solo and then maybe the middle part of a solo and then maybe a little tagline. And then I would connect, put my own connective tissue between that, and if I was playing in a band, if it was a cover band, or it was enough to get the solo to make people go, yeah, right, you know, like yeah. you got the, I played, you kind of played it close, but it was, uh, it was a way for me to 
to uh, improvise quickly, learned about improvising quickly to fill the gaps, basically. And then what it did also made me realize was I developed vocabulary. And through that vocabulary, and I don't mean not just licks or anything, because I was never a guy who copied exactly. I actually got bored with that. I was like, I just wanted to get the essence. I wanted to right. extract. I didn't know that. And, and I didn't know what that was and, at the and, time. You know, to me, that's exactly who I am. Yeah. I mean, yeah. really, you know, no different, and it may be a different genre, yeah. Yeah. but that's no different, and that's the way I've always been. And it's so funny how people think, you know, because I can play bebop, that I, like, know every Charlie Parker solo. Right, right. I don't know any Charlie Parker yeah, solo. Yeah. I do know pieces right. of many and can sing a lot of them, right. but I didn't work them out, and right. I didn't, I don't ever play right. them. Right. And, I mean... Yeah, it's like it's. I think the guys with the music's... strongest voices, though, really, this, with the biggest roar that is in their soul, are the guys that can cultivate what you're talking about, and 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 bring the, uh, a real personal identity to maybe an existing genre of music, but they bring almost a breath of fresh air to it because they are not encumbered from having to deconstruct what they deconstructed by by learning something. Transcribed note for note. Well, but, you know that's my yeah, take. On yeah, it. I, I agree with you. I mean, I hundred I, percent I agree with you. I mean, I think it's just a matter of like, because where does somebody's style like, and identity come from right? if they don't develop their own connective tissue? Well, but if you're just a replicator, it's basically everything comes from necessity. Nothing comes. I mean, creativity comes from challenge. Creativity doesn't come from knowledge. If you knew what to do, you wouldn't be creative. Right. Hey, I know exactly. I'm going to get to Troy's house, and that parking space in the front is going right. to be there. Right. I don't need to be creative. I just drive exactly how I know how to get her, and I park in the front, and I come in the back. Right. But I get here, and there's no parking spaces. Now i got to be creative. You have to explore. <laughs> you have to explore, don't you? Exactly. And so, like, the idea that I'm going to do this and this and this over this mm-hmm. is like, Where's the creativity? There's no creativity there. There's just some sort of like connecting the dots. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I'm in a situation. I got to make it work. I know this stuff. I hear this stuff. This is my way of con- of of putting this all together. My unique way of doing this because I'm me and I have my weird experience and I have my weird vocabulary and this is this weird experience and we make because. Creativity is actually only emerges when we're challenged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise, we know what to do. Exactly, and we go right. to sleep and we right. do it. Right. right. And I think, and, and I think that that's really the key to all of us maintaining that edge throughout our life. Whether we, in your case, change media, or whether we continue, yeah. is that we constantly put ourselves in a place to be challenged. Mm-hmm so that our creativity will be brought into question. Well, let me say this. If I didn't take stock of where the music business was going when I was in Nashville, uh, towards the end of my... I left My wife and I left there in 2010. And if I didn't take stock of where the music business was going in terms of, like, what they wanted to pay, what was accepted, sharing rooms together, you know, and all these sort of things (laughs) that a grown man doesn't really want to do anymore, you know? come on. It it depends on who you're sharing with. That's true. But, you know, usually in those contexts of those national bands, it was some 23-year-old, you know, who, you know, 
just was there because he wanted to get, take the gig to get out of Urban Outfitters gig because it was his first <laughs> tour, which how we all were like that. You know, when we're young, you never say yeah. no to anything. No, you no. take everything, right? We all did. And, and that's beauty, you know, but when you're older and you start having, you know, like expectations or you, or you have, a, you know, like you say, you maybe want a house, maybe you want to actually pay a gardener to mow the lawn and you don't want to get out there all the time or whatever, you know, you have bills or whatever. Then, then sometimes you, you know, you want to, for me, it was the hearing issue, right? My hearing, well, that was a major a factor. It was a, it was a major factor. And I talk openly about it because a lot of people won't say their hearing's going bad because they, they, um, they think they won't get work again or whatever. Well, I sort of realized I need to pull myself out of the coal mine. So, you know, I have a black lung, you know. <laughs> I need to survive in a few more years with, you know, with what I have hearing left. And then it was, uh, well, how can I be creative? Because if I, if I stopped playing music, if I had just stopped guitar playing and just went did, did some job, you know, that had no creative outlet, I would have, you know, would have been like, where's the closest bridge? Mm. You know, because I needed... I needed a release, you know, I needed all that creativity that was still was a wealth within me or a wellspring within me needed an outlet. And when I started doing those YouTube demo videos, as you, you know, we talked about at the beginning, um, that's where it clicked for me. I can stay home. I can, you know, uh, uh, play my instrument. I can make videos and I can get paid. And then the reality for all of this, though, for me was... I started making videos the way I wanted to make them, which is other words, I realize there's a lot of people in Nebraska or middle America or small towns, they don't have access to these music stores with all this great gear. So I realized, well, I'm gonna make a video like a virtual tour of the product demo. I'm not just me on a chair with a hole in my sock and my dog walking in the background, playing and ripping up and down the guitar. I actually tried to play musically to the sound that was dialed and also tried to show close-ups of the gear, details of like the face plate and the back panel. So people could feel like they actually were like at three in the morning on their iPad in, in bumfuck Arizona or whatever, were getting a tour of, the, of, a, of a product like they're in the music store walking around it. And that led me to photography. To be able to do that, I had to light it better. I had to understand light. I had to, I had to start putting better production value than just, again, a static shot of a, of a amp in the corner and me playing guitar licks through it, you know? And that, then I started, that led me down the path like, holy shit, I love photography. And that led me to, wait a minute, I used to be a guitar player, but I, what I know best is musicians. What I know best is being on a stage or in a st recording studio. And what I realized is if I'm not playing with musicians, then I want to be photographing musicians. Because I come from that stock, I understand them. I know when a guitar looks weird, if somebody held it weird or was awkward, it wasn't comfortable for him. So in terms of still photography, I realized, you know, um, that's, those are my people. And they understood if they knew I was a musician as well, there was some trust there. And the big thing in photography is you have to have trust between the subject, um, and that sounds a little artificial to say, but the, the, whoever you're photographing and yourself, because then you'll get truth. Then you'll get something real from them in an expression, in a, in a moment of vulnerability, um, if, you, if, you have, if, you, if you can. That's my goal. So photography, once you get the technical side out of it, it's much like guitar. It's like, much like music, I should say. Once you get the technical side, once you like have a vocabulary on your instrument, once you have a vocabulary on your camera, understand how to adjust this, how to make do with bad light, how to look for good light, then it becomes a psychological aspect of like, well, how can I engage with this subject? How can I engage with the song, if you will? 
and bring something special that's unique only into this moment right now. And how and can we capture that? Right. You know, so there's a lot of parallels. Oh no, in any no, art it form, sounds like a total you know? parallel. They're not a lot. It yeah. sounds like an equal. Well, yeah. and and it's uh, and so so the medium's different. I like to say I have a camera in one hand and my telly in the other. Right. You know, and um. And that's that's where I'm at now. I did, love photography and you, video too. Because you photographed like you you were with Bogner. How many years you were with Bogner? I was with Bogner for, for they hired me as their visual. What do you call it? director? Visual director. Um, 10, oh, 10? Uh, right. oh, no, 11 yeah. till just last last fall. So right. what's that? Uh, six years, five yeah. and a half, six yeah. years, something like that. So in that time, you photographed. And also video as well, yes. but a lot of different guitarists. Yes, yeah. Like, have you got some favorite? Like, you've done Bromhall, Doyle Bromhall, Doyle, Bro yeah. yeah, yeah. That Doyle, I've shot him several times. Yeah. And Luke at that? I shot. Well, did I shot? No, I shot a video with Luke at that. Oh, so, video, yeah. so if we're talking, are we just talking visual work or or yeah, skills? Say, say your 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 visual work. Or well, what do you prefer? Is there well, anything no, they're, you prefer? They're, they're, they're different. They're 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 slices. They're they're it's a different slice of the same thing. So, with still photography, the challenge for me is to try to tell a story with one image. With video, even if it's a demo of a of a product demo, I'm I have I have a much longer period of time to develop through sound. You know, different like clean sound to mm. medium gain to high gain to camera work that's wide far and immediate i like to get right up on a player's hands two feet away yep. one feet away like woodstock camera work where it's like it's a visceral experience when they're playing i want i want the viewer to watch my videos if i can do them as such uh with the production where where they're feeling like man i'm watching a performance mm. not a nam show show off performance or like guitars gone wild bullshit but like something something like bleeding in front of them and i try because i'm a musician and a guitar player i have pushed people in front of my camera to push themselves. So it's not just not just a bunch of licks, but try to tell a story. Mm. I, I call them vignettes all the time. And because that was another thing with my, my approach to video production. This is to demos uh, for gear demos. I just I want to have everything be compartmentalized in the best possible way. I don't want to just bunch of rambling licks that YouTube is full of notes echoing around YouTube of guys just just chops and telling nothing but i want i want i want my video demos to be like people to go wow i just felt something really creative you know in front of me captured and as a as a photographer i want to light it well i want to light it with uh compelling cinematic sort of dynamics if i can and or camera work that is uh where i'm moving around the subject i don't just put on a tripod i'm engaged mm. i'm dancing with them it's a dance. If, for our listeners out there, you go to gregv.com, right? Uh, no, uh, for my website? For your, uh, yeah, it's for photography. W-W-W, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> used to well, say what that. What happened to that? www. That's my name of my new band. Exactly. www.combo. I like that. So, yeah, no, it's gregverobioff.com. So, verobioff, V-O-R-O-B as in boy, I-O-V. If they just Google Greg V, I'm fortunate where it's the first hit on Google. It comes up. And I didn't pay for that, by the way. Somebody just said that to me. How much did you have to pay to get your name? Maybe the first on Google. I never paid anything. Well, you, I've you got know? a, I got a funny one. I just looked up. I used to have my, my website years ago, TroyMcCubbin.com. Right. 
And I... WWW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. WWW. <laughs> and I was recently in Australia and I did a show down there and I did a bit of a TV interview and all that kind of stuff down there. Anyway, a fan wrote me and said, hey, Troy, I just, I really wanted to reach out and say thank you for the, you know, I, I really, I'm a fan, blah, blah, blah. But um, I'm not sure if you made this like or not, but TroyMcCubbin.com is a full-on porn site. <laughs> And I'm awesome. thinking, oh, bullshit. So I go to TroyMcCubbin.com and feel free to go there, everyone, because it is an amazing porn site. Like, it is seriously a full-on porn So, and how much money site. are you making? I'm making it? nothing, which I'm extremely pissed about. You're but not even getting laid? I'm not even getting nothing. I mean, I thoroughly went through the site and checked everything out. Right. <laughs> For research. Just to make sure. For research. research yeah. To make sure I wasn't yeah, yeah, on there. Yeah, he wanted to call his attorney, but, but he needed some Please, I know all our listeners now will go to TroyMcCubbin.com. I just gave him a shitload of business. Oh, but uh. I wrote them a nice email. I said, guys, of all the names, come on, just at least give me a cut. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to... But I'm not going to fight them to get my name back. Yeah. So I've pretty much lost that that's website. Well, but well, I was gonna, you know, you know but, sorry to hear that, but... You know, and you win. You win this war, but I'll give you a second place. Can I, can I have a runner-up here? <laughs> What's yours? Uh, I did a Google vanity search. I'm doing air quotes now, right. which, which I hate people that do that, but I'm one of them. And, uh, and I looked, and, and I'm digging for Bruce Foreman, you know, and there's a couple of, of us. But with the one that pissed me off, he was deep in there. It was like the 11th page, but he was there. <laughs> and it was a priest in St. Louis that molested a kid. Oh, that's hard to beat. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not a porno, I'm not a porno king. I'm a porno and king. I, and, and I'm Jewish. <laughs> so I've got a Catholic priest with my name who's molested kids. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, the internet. One. You know, it's the way it goes. So I'm just trying to make up for him. <laughs> you, you, seriously, if, if everyone, all our listeners, go and check out Greg's photography. Besides his music, his plus, I, I mean, is I'm going to ask him to try and make me look like a human being, which of you've, course is polishing. You've got mad turd, skills, man, in all areas. Thank Dude, you. Thank with you. all the guitarists, because you've shot, I saw on there, you, David Grissom. Yes, yeah, a, I, yeah. I'm a massive fan of David's playing. Yeah, me um, too. Me too. This, who else have you shot that is, who was on the website? Uh, Daryl Jones of the Rolling Stones, the right. bass player. With, well, he's with Sting and Miles yeah. before that. You yeah. Know. Um, Lyle Workman. Lyle, who, yeah. You know, he's, 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 he's a, guy a good sh- friend of mine. We should have him years. on the show too. Yeah, He'd be a great yeah, guy to have on the show. Yeah. He lives in Glendale. Yeah.
Yeah, yeah. you mentioned Doyle Bramhall, uh, Edgar Winner, Edgar Winner, Doug yeah. Rappaport, who's a great rock guitar oh, player, amazing, yeah. ripping player. Yeah. And that and some of his pictures just ended up on a cover of a magazine called Guitar Connoisseur. Oh wow! That uh, they just used they used like eleven of my pictures in that. Uh, Richie Kotzen, oh, uh, they in Guitar Player, player. magazine. Yeah. So I've been fortunate. Um, my pictures have been used in you know George Lynch for records and. Uh, promotion and uh, magazines um, you know it's it's a weird thing I I went from a sort of a dying music business to a dying photography business because uh, photography is uh, has been um, we all have iPhones or we all mm -hmm. have decent phones in our pocket so people are less apt to want to really um, uh, pay for really quality images you know um, because they've got a million selfies or their friend took a shot or something. And this is just not me. I, I didn't really even think about this getting into photography. I just needed another outlet or I was going to go crazy, as I mentioned. So, uh, but ironically, I jump into another business where um, it, it can be hard. Can I, can I suggest something for sure. you? Sure. Like typewriter repair? <laughs> Mall security, steam, steam, steam engine mechanic, <laughs> bu bu buggy whip tester. There you, you go. Know? Yeah, you know. <laughs> but I, I tell you what, and I, would, I actually just applied yesterday for every one of those. So. Oh, okay, okay, I would. Cool. I hope to hear back. If you need a recommendation, have Thank a call me. Hey, yeah. I hope. I hope you get. I hope you photograph Bruce because I think uh, Bruce. I hope so too. I don't think you've been photographed. No, no one's been photographed me since like Nixon was president. Right. <laughs> so there you go. So this. But Greg. You have got a like. I remember that day you photographed me just right. against the bug the building yeah, over there. Right. Just like you had a new camera. He's like, there. Let me take that's a couple of shots real right. quick. And he was so quick, and that and the shots come out. Yeah, they were really great. But yeah. you have got such an amazing eye. You were you're a badass photographer, and I would love to see what you do with Bruce. But yeah, of, well, I don't think he's got he's that good. But uh, <laughs> we'll find out. With all the with all the guitarists and that you film. Um, is there something you see in a lot of these? Well, you've, you've filmed a lot of different players. Like, there's something that you see in a lot of these guys that stands out? Or, I don't know if that's all kind of a weird I think it's question. more like, do you see something similar about them all that, you know, that stands out? Like, well, you well, see something missing. Y yeah, well, you know, when, you, when you've got that evil eye, as they say, in like video camera, you know, that evil eye staring at me, right? People feel very vulnerable because mm -hmm. they don't, most of the time when I'm filming guys, I mean, I've shot full bands, I've done videos and things like that, but when I'm shooting product demos, the guys are very vulnerable. They're just sitting in a chair or standing there, no <clears> rhythm <throat> section, there's nowhere to hide, there's no net, and many of them are, are very uncomfortable with that. And it's a, it's a thing I have to bring to back to the psychology of being like even a musician or anything, anything in an artful endeavor where it's not binary, zeros and ones, you've got to massage it. So you have to sort of give them the comfort so they can mess up and feel okay about it and know that we can do another take because we're not burning through tape or you know it's just it's just you know it's digital so uh, i always let them know that they're amongst friends i let them know that i'm going to direct them if i need be but i also want to see what their intuition is going to be and i learned very quickly some players uh, um, are great at being able to take direction well and understand that we're trying to do what I said, like a vignette, where it might be a one minute or 30 second guitar part. And I always tell them, let's do a beginning, a middle, and an end. I just don't want it to be like endless licks like they're trying out something at Guitar Center. And because again, I want it to be a story. I don't want just jive notes. And 
many of them get it. Some of them don't get it. Some of them take a little bit of time to get it. And, but for me, I'm a taskmaster, uh, sadly. Uh, I feel compelled if my name is going to go on it, if my, I want to be satisfied myself. Mm. And I push some people pretty hard sometimes, but no one has ever said, like, that was a pain in the ass or whatever. They've always been appreciative after they've seen it, which makes me feel good. And I think we're all happy at the end of the day of that. But um, some people have been re resistant and hesitant. And um, one guy, very famous guy shot, um, didn't really want to have any of it, you know, a direction from me. And then when he saw the video, he called me and he goes, holy shit, I had no idea what you were going to achieve with what we did. And uh, I hope we can do some more. Wow. And we never did. Yeah. But um, it was because I'm, I'm nobody. I'm not like Ansel Adams on guitar. I'm not famous, you know. And Oh, sorry, not on guitar. On uh, guitar or video yeah. or camera. I'm just camera boy. Yeah. It would be like pick boy at Guitar Center. I mean, I hate to say that. Like going, hey, you know what? On your next record, you might want to try, you know, play like this. <laughs> you know, and they're like, okay, pick boy. You're you right. know, whatever, right? <laughs> right? Thank you. As I'm going to the studio in my Bentley, I'll think about that. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so, you know, sadly, they kind of look at you like you're just, a, you know, that. And then, you know what? Maybe I am that. But at the end of the day, when they see what the result was achieved, uh, they treat you with a different level of, of respect now because you earned it. Yeah. But I wish I had it in that moment because then I think it could have been even more impactful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, I mean, I love... I love video. Ideally, I mean, all of this is in service. I would love to be doing documentaries, you know. Right. That's why I actually love having this conversation. I know we're, I know I'm, sadly, I feel like we're talking so much about myself, you know, and, and depth, but um, I, it's, it's interesting to hear all of our stories, you know, and hear like even your, like I said, listening to some of the other podcasts, you know, of you guys expound on different things with different people you've had as guests because they hear different layers than what we've talked about. Yeah, you know, oh, for and, sure. and we've all, you know, when you've lived a, when you lived an artistic life and you've lived a creative life, that maybe is a, a better uh, adjective. Um, it's it, like I said, it can be a very lonely existence. It can feel lonely. It, it can feel it's an inward journey because it's a lot of self uh, analysis of who you are. Where have you come from? What do you have to say? Do you have anything left to say? Is it important? Is it not important? Do you, you know, do you still have the drive? And a lot of that takes a lot of sitting quietly in a room and looking within your heart. And um, not everybody has that patience or, or care anymore. And, uh, but to be around creative folks like, such as yourself, um, it's interesting to expound on some of these thoughts and ideas that we, we have. And like I said, my journey is individual. When I say I didn't want to play music anymore as a profession, it was, that's not a slam against guys who are going out and doing gigs that I wouldn't want to do anymore. We all have bills to pay. It's an individual, like I said, journey. And um, go, go have at it. If you're enjoying yourself, hey, man, the world needs all the love it can get. You know, and that yeah. you can bring. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, no, no offense taken. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a gig whore. Uh, and, and a geek I, or a gig? A gig whore. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> uh, and, and, and sure, my hearing ain't what, what it was. You know, granted, I didn't play rock gigs. So, I, I mean, I haven't had the barrage that you have had 
But I have played next to ride cymbals. Totally. That's, that's <laughs> of burning. On small stages, three, uh, two, yeah, three feet away. Yeah, burning jazz drummers totally. for 45 years, yeah. you know. Hammers you. And uh, your, your place and your way of feeling about it is completely different than me, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and, and I realize, you know, it's not the money mm -hmm. for me. Um, it's the playing. Mm -hmm. In a way, when I play, I'm immortal. Mm -hmm. I'm chasing something beyond what it's even like to be alive. Mm -hmm. Beyond what we know of what life really is. Mm -hmm. To be reaching for sound, in the pursuit of sound to find whatever belongs in this moment in time, in the situation I'm in. I realize I take gigs not because I need the money, although I do, but because it's like to be able to paint the picture that, you know, that, that opening into this place in the cosmos that's beyond time, beyond life, you know? I hate to. Say, I mean, I know it sounds lofty. No, it's not. It's a true artistic. It's, 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 it's the way I feel. Statement. It's not really what I'm producing. It's just the way I feel. Right. That I'm talking about. That. Uh, that's just. But that's valid. All of that's, that. That's I mean, just, you know, and I mean, and I can see myself being the Beethoven kind of guy that can't even hear anymore, right. and will still go through the motions right. just because of opening a door to a place that is beyond everything we know. We are, okay, I mean, I, I'm, okay, you are. But that's me, you I are, mean, you know, you and, are, and I'm. You are Mothra, Godzilla, King Kong, <laughs> and Ultraman, all in one badass motherfucker. And that's no job, I'm not here to say, I don't want a gig from you, no, I don't yeah. want, hey man, can you get, you know, yeah. you know, I don't want anything. It's just I know it. I recognize it. I hear it. I, you know, it's you feel it. I, sh I should say. Right. And, and I mean, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, okay. hang on. And you are driven with a, a depth of artfulness and true uh, troubadour um, ex exploration in this world. And you're like music with feet, right? And that is why what you just said comes from you. You you bring joy. You get joy. You still want. You have a lot to say, and I try to do the same thing now through my camera. Right. You just, no, you just that, new that, media. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's you the same really source. Not anything. at all. Not at all. And you know, and I'm that's just, what I'm talking I'm about. I'm just as passionate with my camera as I have been for forty plus years that I played good, 45? Exactly. I started playing, I've been playing 43 years, right? And through a, different circumstances and, you know, uh, I realized, also realized if I did go deaf, um, that I could, and if my eyes still worked, I could push a shutter. And with my mm. one finger work, I could push a shutter button. So mm. I, I always wanted something that I could do by myself at late at night, uh, in the dark, or in night, in the daytime. I could just be if I was alone, my camera is like my guitar now. I can t it, it takes me away that's from so this world. That's so beautiful because that's yeah. really the essence of it. I mean, I have. I mean, you haven't seen my show, The Red Guitar. Mm, I want to. And deep at the heart of it, in my deepest desire, I want the people who experience that show to walk away 
asking themselves, what's my red guitar? The red guitar really isn't a red guitar. No. It's 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 a metaphor for the thing beyond family and maybe faith and occupation mm -hmm. that makes this all make sense to us. Yeah. That gives us reason to exist. To fight the gravity yeah. of age, yeah. to fight the gravity of time. Right. Because this is something that's important to us. Yes. And you know, and you could change literally, in my opinion, daily, from a guitar to a camera to horse riding to architecture to, to chef to, to chef to, to writing novels right. to being a crosswalk guard. Yeah, totally, exactly. You know, I mean any of those things. Right. What's your red guitar? Exactly. Is the question of the exactly. show. The pursuit of something in service to our ultimate purpose of making the world a better place for us being here, yeah. Yeah. you know. And and so, you know, I while my explorations have been all <laughs> musical and have somewhat held some connective tissue to the previous Bruce that existed before. Mm -hmm. That's why I have so much respect for you, and that you you changed media. You know, I have I have changed, I've changed genre. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I've changed focus, but mm -hmm. I haven't really changed media. Mm -hmm. And so I recognize that my forays have been far less courageous than yours. Well, I don't. You know, it's funny you say that. I I I just feel it's a it's just, like I said, I keep going back to the individual path, and it's just a journey we're all on. And again, yeah. it's a, it's, it's a, where, where are we going? I mean, I don't, I don't really know. I don't have a grand vision of, I'm going to be some iconic photographer. All I want to do is every time I take a picture of somebody, I want it to matter. Right. I want it to mean something. If right. it does, if it doesn't mean anything, subject, I want it to mean something to me. You know, and I don't like. I don't really want to go shoot a bunch of headshots and stuff like that. Like, right. you know, for the, not because I couldn't do it. I just, it, it would be like playing in a cover band or something. Mm. Playing music I didn't like. It's nothing wrong playing in a cover band. I just made music like I did in Hawaii and Florida. I played tons of cover stuff back when I was younger. But if I was doing music I just didn't like, you know. So headshot photography for me is not, uh, like I'll walk the streets of L.A. with my camera. And I'll take pictures of doorways and chain link fences right. and th things that I just find interesting, the way light's hitting them. And I find beauty. In this room here, there are 50 photographs or 150 photographs to be discovered. You know? In the 13 notes in Western music, right? 13 notes, right? Is it 13? Hey, no, it's not. No, uh, I like uh, 11 I like... notes, right? Is it 11? No, <laughs> no 13, right? Let's see. The chromatic scale is 12. Okay, but chromatic But there's 12. a double. So right, that's 11. the octave, so it's 11 then, right? I mean, how, can we, how can we get a 13th chord? Where am I getting? <laughs> right, well, because that's a carried over. Okay, uh, I, know, I, I don't know. know. No, Let's I count it. Yeah, First right. fret, no, F. But there's only 11. Yeah, right? F sharp. I'm just fucking okay. around with it. Okay. It's 11. Okay. Okay. I know better. Uh, I mean, just no, but, but, but the, the thing is, is like, okay, if we just, just take that simple, what we think of just 11 notes. Yeah. And... 
think about how much, back to your point earlier, the creativity of humans, and thank God for this, this and this is a whole thing for me, the duality of humanity, where we can be, we can paint the Sistine Chapel, have giant steps, you know, have, you know, any iconic orchestral piece from any iconic of the, of the masters, and extraordinary statues and beauty and what have you as humans, and then we can also turn right around and smash somebody's brains into it. That gets dark very quickly, but that's something I struggle with because we're such a complex species, you know? Extraordinary beauty and extraordinary brutal uh, treatment of, of, our, of, our, of our brethren. And, but not to go down that path at this moment, but going back to the 11 notes, how each of us, this just us three, how we feel and breathe those different notes and connect them and expound that to your friends on different instruments. And uh, we won't even go into, uh, you know, microtonal aspects right, of music right, right, and sitar right. and, you know, European music or, sorry, uh, Indian, so forth. Anything that's microtonal. Um, it's extraordinary how many colors and shapes and and... Uh, God, I can just think in colors, the, a bazillion colors that humans have created with 11 notes right. and phrasing and all that. And it takes a lot of work for musicians to be able to get like to your skill level, to be able to just effortlessly put that out there and make it seem like, oh, yeah, that's just, it's effortless. It's like watching <laughs> Olympic divers. I'm like, oh, that's easy. I could go jump off that. No, right. A couple spins. No, no, what's so hard about that? Try it and break your, you know, break your back you know, or whatever, <laughs> you know. And it's the same thing. Get on stage. Oh, yeah, I can jam with Bruce. Sure you can. You are going to be crushed. <laughs> and he's not even going to try. It's not even, you're not going to try to crush anyone. You're just going to bring it with the weight of your essence, that will, in, in some people, you, you're such a giving guy, you'll lift and elevate those people around you because you're not nature, I, I don't feel your nature is to dominate. Some players will want to dominate and mm. show that. And some people need to get their ass handed to them. Mm. But you, by your teaching, all the elements you told me about before with your red guitar and uh, other things that you're working on, uh, that you mentioned earlier, yeah. uh, that we spoke about uh, off camera um, or off mic, shows that you know you're in it for the long haul, and you love humanity, and you love oh, yeah. to bring some breath to it, you know, and that's real artistry. And thank God, because if you kill all the birds in this world, if you kill the song, you kill yourself. That's a Joseph Campbell line, yeah. you know, and I, I firmly believe in that. You know? I agree.
and that's that's what I mean. That's what you know. As much as we we built this podcast around people just hanging with us on the couch, it was about that. It was about not not a birdcage of us sitting here and everybody observing us, but actually creating a flock mm. where we all are part of the same thing and we all interact. And something I we need to say because it's on the show, I finally, like in my promise, I have put together the, the list of 10 questions for the people Whoa. who want to belong to right. the 100th show, which may happen before we get to 99.99. <laughs> <laughs> and I promised, so, so for those of you who want to get involved in our in our uh, game show. Game show, yep. Uh, the, 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 we'll put the questions we'll up. The, on the website. On the website. And you need to fill out the form and you need to answer the questions. And it will demand a certain amount of uh, creativity because a lot of them will not make sense to you. Tell, tell Greg what we're doing so the Greg, listeners so, don't so know. We, 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 yes. have, we have avoided our 100th show. <laughs> because we've, we've never because actually... it's too monumental. <laughs> for, for 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 a bunch of me mortals for a bunch of people like us who are really like, like underqualifiers you know what I mean? <laughs> so we went 99 point so oh. we so right now this is probably this one's probably like 99 point 40 40 or yeah or something. yeah we started with 99 Sounds like a radio point, station yeah, 99 right. 99.4 9, well 99 a 99 b we got through the alphabet and we're still at 99 so it's now it's 99 <laughs> oh that's right i forgot we did the alphabet yeah. first yeah and so oh, they, after we got to the alphabet it was 1927 <laughs> and so we're like we're 100 and and like we were always thinking like okay we'll get like this big star like uh, mm. eddie van halen clint eastwood or Jimi Hendrix we will exhume his body and will, you know, do something like that. <laughs> you know, up. like yeah, well, maybe maybe Segovia will get his pick and have it tell stories. Or he doesn't have a pick. You know, we we knew fingernail. You know, we nearly had Alan Holdsworth and he went and died on us. So yeah, that yeah, but too, that, that's another story too. Oh, but anyways, I got to tell you a Holdsworth story. Okay, finish. No, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. anyways, <laughs> but uh, so here we have my idea was really the big stars of this show to me, even though everybody's such a celebrity hog they were in for other people like george benson and stuff like that which i would love to have on the show but anyways i think the big star of the show are the people who listen to it mm -hmm. so and there are people who claim to have not only listened to all the shows but have binged and gone back and listened again i can't believe it but okay <laughs> Anyways, so we have created like a Wheel of Fortune style game show mm -hmm. or Jeopardy mm -hmm. where I put out a quest, a list of questions and, and the winners of that will come to the studio and do a guitar wig with us and we'll actually do a game show where we ask questions ah. and the, the guy that wins, wins prizes. Mm -hmm. But the people that are able to hear or get to find out what you have found out, the inner sanctum of this <laughs> wonderful experience. And uh, we'll be able to really shine the light on the true stars of this show, which are the people that listen to it, yeah. and give them a voice. So, uh, and that's, and that's so right great. now, it took me a while to get around to it, but I've written the, uh, the, the, the like the, 
the previous, you know, you the, the way you, the pre-qualifying round, mm -hmm. and that will be on the website. On the website, we'll get it up on the website, and then they uh, and then they can, can go from there, and then we'll go from there, and then eventually, hopefully, we'll get to that way. That will be the hundredth show, and we can move on with our lives. <laughs> <laughs> I've had abusive emails because we haven't done a hundred. <laughs> well, it's like you know, I mean, I don't want to make some guy like. Well, you know, can we say his name? No, we can't. Okay, some guy who like hoards vintage instruments and makes a life of an internet stardom. Uh, you know, <laughs> you like know. our hundredth show. <laughs> you know who that is. <laughs> you know, so, so, yes. And so some guy like that. I don't want that. Or some guy who like, who like because he's a star. You know, he's a star. So what? You know, the, you know how many guys are like are sweating blood over this music and like they're the stars. Yeah. You know, okay, so people buy your shit. You know, you're a star. What the fuck? Yeah, celebrity means nothing to me, man. You know, I mean, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, yeah. I'm beginning to like it less and less. And, and yet, I'm striving to achieve it. But <laughs> <laughs> the way I look at it, my, my, whole, my whole credo is, you know, <laughs> waiting to be discovered, hoping not to be found out. Uh, you know, yeah. ain't that some self-protectionism? Self there's there, like I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle of there. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Wow. We, we have a we have a lot of Alan Holdsworth fans. So if you got a Holdsworth, if you got a Holdsworth story, you got okay. it. Right, got to right, share. All right. So so in 1988, when I did uh, when I got the gig with Ronnie Montrose, the the gig was for a record he put out, and um, whoever the promoters were. I think he was on the same label that Alan Holdsworth was on, maybe, or something. I can't, I can't remember. Um, anyways, we did a co-headlining tour with Alan. <laughs> so one night, he would open for us, and then the following night, we would open for the Alan Holdsworth band. And I remember the uh, very first gig, I, I think it was in Santa Barbara, um, go to catering, right, backstage, and I'm going, okay, let me get some really soggy salad and some you know, like yeah. really bad, you know, food. And I look over and I see Alan Holdsworth by himself. Okay, sorry, can I? Okay, so I want to interject something very quickly yeah. here. Uh, a friend of mine asked me if you had to, you know, epitaph, you know, in the tombstone, yeah. what would it be? And this is years ago. And I said, I came up with something later on. It's like, right or wrong, stupid or smart, I never gave up, or he never gave up. Got to put it in third, you know, different person. Yeah. And right or wrong, super smart, he never gave up. And that, I think, is really who I am as a, as, a, as, a, as a human. And this story now will reflect on that. When I was a kid, 16 years old, in Florida, um, I used to get Rolling, Rolling Stone magazine, right? And in the back, they used to have ads in the back of Rolling Stone magazine. There was an ad that said, you know, well-known musician, Looking for guitar player, you know, drummer, bass player, um, for really, you know, evocative, <laughs> whatever, cool music group, and send tape to P.O. Box, yada, 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 New York, New York. I'm like, that sounds interesting. I'm going to go make a tape. And I go in my bedroom. My dog's barking at a German shepherd named Columbus. He's barking in the background. And because I remember when I said, I was like, I can't get rid of him. I just throw on a cassette tape. And I just rip up and down my guitar playing stupid shit like a 16-year-old would. And I sent it off to New York and didn't think anything of it. Like, that's never going to happen. 
months later, uh, three, four months later, I get a letter. Hi, Greg. My name is Eddie Jobson. I'm the violin player for with, uh, uh, I, well, I guess he played with Alan Holdsworth. You know, I don't know if he was in UK. He might have been in the UK band, right? right. Uh, called UK. And I think he, I don't know if he was with Yes or something. Some, I mean, he was, he was well known. He was putting a band together called, the, anybody who knows Fusion would probably know this, this guy. And Topaz, I think, was a band he was putting together. And he just wrote, I think you, he says, even though I can't, didn't hear you in the context of a band, and beautifully written, I have the letter at home still, I've kept it to this day, hmm. like calligraphy. And he's an Englishman, right? And so he writes, even though I can't fully judge you because you're not playing in the context of a band, I think you show some significant skill and, you know, qualities that, you know, as you mature as a player, yada, yada, you know, you're going to, you know, you have, you have something there, kid, yeah. right? And he goes, I suggest you listen to Alan Holdsworth with Bill Bruford in UK and go buy some records and buy, and he put this stuff there. So the next day, I'm like, holy shit, I got a letter from this famous musician, you know, because <laughs> I'm in bumfuck Florida with 600 people, graduated 24 people in high school, nothing there. I'm playing in clubs though, right? But I'm like, oh my God, this guy took the time to write me a letter. That's why I still keep this letter. I go out and buy an Alan Holdsworth record. Never even heard of Alan Holdsworth at that time. Buy it, come home. I'm like... I don't even know what this guy's doing, you know? Yeah. It was like a whole, like, you know, like all this shit going on. And it's so complex for a guy who's playing Leonard Skinner, you know? And, I, but I was mesmerized. So that was my introduction to Alan Holzer. So now I have to, uh, that was a big story to say this. He's sitting there in Santa Barbara backstage and eating his salad. And I'm like, oh, I got to I got to go talk to him at some point, you know? I'm like, I, I'm, you know, I think I could go talk to him, you know? <laughs> so I sit down. I'm sorry, I go over to his table. And so Mr. Holdsworth, and he looks up, hey, hey I'm, I'm, my name's Greg. I play guitar with Ronnie Montrose. Would, would it be okay if I join you for, for lunch? He's like, oh, sure, mate, have a, yeah, have a seat. You know, friendliest guy in the world. And we got along great from day one because I only talked to him about, like, bicycle riding which he was really into and making beer he would like make his own beer i never asked him about music never asked him about guitar because everybody was always like alan can we measure the connective tissue between your fingers because we think that we can you know make some sort of fabric to sort you know like all the scientific shit that they would you know he was like an anomaly to people right, right. and we did that tour for months three months i never missed a show of watching them play whether they opened for us or we opened, I always stuck around and I sat on the side of the stage, or as close as I could get, without being seen. And I would listen to Holdsworth. And I'll tell you, the first... And I had already seen him live with IOU in 81, 82, when he yeah. came to play Palo Alto and the Ber Keystone Berkeley and all that. Yeah. And I had... It was a mindfuck. I don't know what's going on, but I know this... I'm in the, I know I'm in greatness. I know I'm in, a, in, in the, the glow of some of greatness. And, but I didn't understand it, harmonically. And so... When I, I knew it was a gift to be on that tour and for months with him and getting to know him. And I sat on stage for the first half of that tour. Nothing made sense. I would watch Caliuda or Chad Wackerman. He had two different drummers and Steve Hunt, great keyboard player, and, and um, Jimmy Johnson on bass. And they were all like, again, incredibly terrifying players. And after I stopped analyzing, I stopped trying to figure out what's going on here. And I just would let myself go the way I would like listen to, you know, um, oh, I love Cannibal Adderley, you know, Cannibal yeah. Coltrane record I have, you know, and, you know, any of the greats, whether it's again, Miles, Coltrane, to even uh, Roy Smeck or somebody like that, who I loved, you know, when I was, a, when I was a kid. And 
I, you know, so I let myself go. And after half that tour was over, I just felt like I was almost at a Grateful Dead concert every time they played. I was being levitated by the music because I stopped trying to, it was, it, was so, it was a language I couldn't understand, but I could, once I took that, uh, stripped away the veil of trying to understand it harmonically and just listened to it, responded emotionally, it took me on a whole nother plateau. And it was extraordinary. And Alan and I used to drink. I don't drink anymore. That tour was the last time I had a drink. Not because I had a problem. I just, uh, I, I got alcohol poisoning from one night of like binging on five cups of old Bushmill whiskey in, 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 in a three-hour period. Anyways, Alan, one, uh, he'd call me up, Greg, 202, let's, come on. You know, like he'd always have a bottle. And so I'd go up in the room, we'd get drunk. Right. And I'm getting fucking drunk with Alan Holsworth. And he's telling me all these stories and stuff. And I had my guitar one night. I brought my guitar up. And, and we're getting, you know, getting buzzed. And, you know, and, I, and he's like, you know, picks up my guitar. He starts playing. I said, Alan, Alan, do me a favor. Do me a favor. I've never asked you about anything music. I said, play the beginning intro to Johnny B. Good. And he goes, he started laughing, he goes, and he went, right? And I was like, holy shit, Alan Hold unplugged, played fucking Johnny Beacon. And it was awesome, right? Because he laughed because nobody would ever ask Alan to play it. And and I and I was good enough with him. We had, you know, there was like fun. And he thought it was hilarious, you know? <laughs> and it was like, you know he'd learned that shit back in the 50s, you know, when he was listening to, you know, all the whatever that they were getting back, like all yep. those greats did, the British guys did back in the day. And, um, you know, it was, oh it was extraordinary, you know? Uh, he revealed some things about his early life that, um, like he told me, uh, I don't even know if this is known. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't know all his story in terms of what's been revealed. But he's gone now, sadly, and I wanted to always photograph him, and I never did. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, he told me, for example, he was, raised, he was raised by his grandparents, but he was raised as though they were his parents because his mom, he was, he was a bastard child. Right. And in England at that time, you know, that would have been, you know, like bad news, right, to be an unwed mother. And um, so he grew up with thinking his mom was his sister. And... It was only till years later that it was revealed to him that was that was his mother, you wow. know, and uh, you know things like that he would tell. And I again, I don't. I'm saying it now because he's gone, you know. I put, I wouldn't reveal this if he was around. Maybe I shouldn't have revealed it. And he told me these things, and it was a, uh, you know, and he and he told him, and there was pain about what he said about it. It wasn't like oh by the way, you know, I'm a, right. you know, it was like he was really <clears throat> there was some trust there, you know. I don't know why he did say to me. You know, he said, I reminded of him when he was younger, you know, so I, obviously not as a player. Um, but another anecdote of that, towards the end of the tour, him and Steve Hunt, who was the keyboard player, uh, Ronnie gave me one little moment on stage, you know, to have my big solo. He let everybody have a solo in a song. And uh, they knew our set, right, Holdsworth did, you know, because, you know, we did all these shows together. And so towards the end, I've got my big moment where it's like, I know I'm getting a chance to like, you know, blow eight bars or whatever, right? And I, and I look down, and just as I'm about to step on my boost, you know, I look down, Alan and Steve, Rod go, Greg, Greg, go, go, mate, right, go. And they're yelling at, and all the guys are like, that's Alan Holder. And I'm like, fucking hey, man, you know, I'm like, gonna fucking go, you know. And I just 
played my shit and I looked at him and they're like, yeah, you know, and it's like, it was hilarious because, you know, Alan Holzer is cheering me on and I'm just playing pentatonic bullshit, you know, it means nothing, you know, and I'm fucking, you know, it was just awesome, right, you know, so I got Johnny. <laughs> that is awesome. And you, you got into fight Johnny Be Good. Yeah. It was like, I felt like, wow, I, you know, and again, I never asked him anything because, I mean, it would be like, I mean, going to the mountain and asking, why do you, why do you exist? You know, right. I mean, you could go to Alan Holzer and have this conversation that would be enlightening and dig into like depth of like, of, no. of nuance. No. no, I mean, no, because that's, you know, you have that uh, a vocabulary, you have that language. And not only, not only that, you're, you're, you're versed in it and you are uh, fluent in it. And I'm not. So I knew to stay out of that realm because, I mean, I also thought it would be like, I'm, I can't, I just need to learn from essence, as you mentioned earlier in, in the conversation. The essence of being around Alan was, so, was, was, the, was the gift. And I only wish I could have experienced that yeah, because I have experienced the other side. Oh. You know, the brilliance and the, you know, and again, it's not a particular style that I followed, so I was just aware of it because of how great it was right. and because of my interest in it, but it wasn't an aesthetic thing right. that I chose to follow. He, he was coming on the show. We actually would, he yeah, there was, there was, well, there was a moment where it looked like he was going to come, you know, and Scott and him are good buddies. Right. But, but what yeah. was the, what was the, he was playing down. He was at Alva's. Yeah, he was we playing at Alva's. We were, we were going to go down. And, and do it. And we were going to interview him backstage and hang out. And and but we decided, you know what? Well, it Guitar was Wank's about the couch and yeah, here and doing yeah, it here. Yeah. And he's the guy I was talking to back and forth. Was like he's he's down for doing it. Yeah, it's going to happen. His English friend, his English friend, right? I can't remember who it was. Oh, Anyways, but okay. But just, yeah, we you know, I mean, and then he passed. It was yeah. so sad. But um, what a giant, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm so I'm so. That's such a great story. Well, that that relates right back to what I was talking about earlier, where I said uh, I hit the lottery. Yeah. I had UK records because of that Eddie Jobson record being 16 years old in Florida. Went out and bought him the next day. Listened to Alan Holzer. Then I read in, Van, in Guitar Player magazine, Eddie Van Halen said his favorite guitar player was Eddie, Alan Holzer. Yeah. And, and you got, everybody's got to get out. And I already had been hit to it from Eddie Jobson, right? And so I felt like, yeah, I'm in the know. Yeah, I know about <laughs> Holzer. Sure, man. Let me tell you about it. You know? and, no, but the thing is, it's like, and then to meet the guy and then get drunk with the guy and have him tell stories. Like, are you kidding me? I, I, I'm Man, so lucky. That's how I feel. Because yeah. I got to do with that Bruce. Bruce was yeah. just some right. great guitar well, player well, on the cassette well, yeah, right. you know, back well, in Australia. Okay. I, yeah. think, I think Greg won. No, 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 no. No, I, no it's, it's, ex it's exactly Sorry, it's the Greg. same thing. Sorry, Troy. No. Well, now I know you. It's, no, it's a, all the shine that. is gone now. Sorry about that, yeah, all the shine is gone. Shit and same happened. with Scott. I mean, yeah. now I know you guys. Man, like, I just uh. wanted to play in a rock band. And make enough money to pay for the rent. I just want rent. to piss off my parents. <laughs> no, I mean, I just wanted that. But then to have, and then even, again, like, hey, be having this conversation. Who the fuck am I, man? You know, yeah. I mean, I, I put out one little record. And I played with a few different people on the backside of their, you know, career. And we're having a conversation about a guy who played on multiple Clint Eastwood soundtracks, let alone all the other cool shit you've done. Uh -huh. And Troy, same thing with you. It's like... All the cool shit you've accomplished, man. You well, know? I accomplished this studio. 
No, 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 no. I, <laughs> That's I, one of the big ones. Yeah. No, so, there's a know, lot of great shit. Randy, we have something in common. Randy Jackson. I used to work with him a lot. Oh, and okay. I know. I, you know, I read. Uh, you know, on your on your bio that Randy brought you in for Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson, yeah. Which is audition for Randy. He's a monstrous yeah, singer. That was He's a, a great singer. Pretty cool, yeah. Right. One of the yeah. first Idol winners, right? You know. Yeah, yeah. she was. Yeah. yeah. So, you know? did you work with Randy back when he was in the Bay Area? In the Bay Area, in that Narda Michael Walden. Me too. Did you really? Oh my God! Tell me. Let's hear a story. Randy Jackson. Oh my God. Or the, or that era of story. Yeah. I mean, he, it's it's like we. The king, the king. I was playing with this band of guys. There was this guitar. There was this drummer up there that I worked with a lot named Scott Morris, and he was kind of like a Steve Gadd kind of guy. You know, loved playing straight ahead. Played great. Played his own way, but really his heart was more in the Steve Gadd world. Mm-hmm. And we had a band and a bunch of guys, and they were playing with the Narada mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously Scott wasn't because Narada was a drummer, mm-hmm. but the drummer and the keyboard player I played with were both playing. Bass player and the keyboard player were also playing. With, it was like an incestuous scene back in the Bay Area. Right. We're talking early '80s, right. probably a little before you. Mm-hmm. And '81 um, is when I got there. Okay, so you would you were there, but but unaware of those players. Yeah, at that and. Time. Um, yeah. And so they brought Randy in, and I was kind of like buying into the George Benson-ish because mm-hmm. Breezin had happened, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that was everybody was going in that direction. But I really wasn't. I was kind of one foot in the fusion world, and one well, it wasn't even fusion yet. Mm-hmm. But it was the you know, Robin Ford was gone, had gone there, George Benson had gone there, and. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of doing odd meters and funky kind of things, but still playing bebop over everything, which they all hated. <laughs> God, they all thought I was a piece of shit. Anyways, Randy played with us for a couple of gigs oh, and a couple of things. He was in the band for a second, and then they all jettisoned me, especially because I had kind of a... Because I was down here doing fusion stuff, too, in L.A. Mm-hmm. I mean, down here. And um, kind of living both worlds. But I was also working with a guy named Richie Cole and a singer named Eddie Jefferson, who was a just an amazing monolith in the world of jazz, history, entertainment, singing, everything. And Eddie got murdered right around that time. And it was just like a moment of truth of like, what do I want to do? You know, I had the, I got offered the gig with Grover Washington, which wow. was also further yeah. down that smooth jazz mm-hmm. fusion whatever yeah. world. Early early days of that. And yeah. I was still playing, you know, a big hollow body guitar, trying to play in a bunch of <laughs> Charlie Parker and Coltrane esque kind of stuff. And when Eddie got murdered, it was just like I didn't want to do it. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to play loud. I didn't want to play grooves with a bunch of stuff over mm-hmm. it. I just wanted to play songs with harmony and you know and nuance. And and that's not where that music was going. That music was going in a pop world where it was like simplifying and more about the tones and the simplification and the getting across to a bigger audience and I was kind of more into finding where the music could go mm-hmm. and so I left it 
I left it. I mean, and, and, and I and and I really had a financial setback because of it because I had <laughs> when I decided to get into it, I got lucky and got a dot neck fifty eight wow. Gibson three thirty five. Holy grail. And I got it for fifteen hundred dollars wow. back in you know whatever that's that a lot of bread back then. That was a lot of money back. Yeah. But I it was this guitar felt so good. So I was, and it was perfect for that mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. that Larry Carlton, Robin Ford world. And um that moment sort of changed me and I just like went back to the L five. Mm. Wow. And I had that and the three thirty five <clears throat> went back in the closet. Mm-hmm. And after about a year of that thing sitting in the closet, I just never felt like I was going to play it again. Mm. You know, it's like it wasn't the music. I mean, it's like I love the neck. I love the way it felt. But the sound, the music wasn't there for me. And like I had a friend up in the Bay Area who was doing like that thing. And I just gave it to him for what I paid for it. Mm -hmm. I have not gotten in touch with him because I. He's probably living in a house. <laughs> he sold it for so many zillion. Put the down to. payment down on it. Right, right. No, no, not the down payment. Oh, he bought the, the whole oh, fucking right. house. <laughs> nice. No, that, that guitar, as far as I'm aware, is probably worth about 200 grand right now. Really? A 58,335? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that, I, see, I have no so, idea. There's I so few of that's original dot now. Yeah, yeah, the no, first I, year. I didn't know they went that high. Wow, crazy. Yeah, I mean. Wow. You know, okay, so, but meanwhile, it was just like, to me, even when I sold it to him, it was a lot of money. It was only a couple years later, and, uh, okay, so, well, (laughs) but, but my point is, is like, that guitar is not my sound, it's not my thing, and, 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 and it doesn't diminish my admiration for guys like Robin and Larry Carlton and all mm-hmm. those guys who mm-hmm. just doing what they believed. Mm-hmm. And Randy Jackson, who mm-hmm. they were all, all those three, all those guys who I was playing with, they were headed off in that direction. Mm-hmm. And I was obviously headed off in this direction. Right. And, you know, truth be told, we're all, some of us are still here. A couple of us are gone. Mm-hmm. We're all, but, you know, we've all done okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. what are you gonna the, do? You know, I mean, if if you don't live, shit ain't. You know, if shit didn't get away from you, you didn't live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't push it. You didn't push hard. Yeah. You know, that's just what it is. I mean, God, how can you possibly live and not have the girls, the guitars, the situations that got away? Yeah. It yeah. just, it just. Well, that's it, a well-lived life. Honestly, I mean, it's, it may not seem like in some way because, like, well, there's, there's, you think about loss, but no, it's because you were, you were pushing, yeah. you know, it's just you were what exploring, it is, again, you know, and then, it, and because in the everything, same, everything was great in its moment, and everything's still great, but even greater in your memories, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and you know, is you know, memories, in many ways, are the truth. But you know, the because because you idealize things in your memories, yeah. and you and you give you as, I mean, at least me personally, I assign the highest qualities to all my memories. Mm-hmm. You know, all the people that I've lost, the people that I miss, the people that I whatever. You know, I mean, I'm not thinking about them as bad people. I, I actually quite the contrary. I'm thinking of them all as people who are beautiful, and I'm grateful for. 
Yeah. So this is what it is, you know, and hopefully we can honor that by moving on.
it's there's a uh, there's so much fragility in life, you know, um, and some people spend a great deal of time trying to put a lot of armament on, you know, and to, to guard it, guard themselves. And some are successful with it and some, you know, repress things and, you know, and then others, again, thank goodness, the artists and creatives and so forth, whether it's filmmakers or chefs or guitar players or musicians on it, whatever it's just crack it wide open, you know, and lay it all out there. And. I used to think that, you know, or I didn't think this, but I'd heard people speak about this, um, about being vulnerable is to show weakness, you know, and I don't subscribe or believe any of that. That's why I talk about having lost a gig openly. Um, it's, it's just how things go, but being vulnerable shows, uh, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I, I really do. I'm very honest to a fault sometimes, and uh, it's got me in trouble sometimes, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And to what you're just saying, it's, it's recognizing as we get older, seeing some people who have unraveled themselves, you know, um, either poor career decisions, addiction, um, any number of scenarios, you know, that, that just leave them broken and a pile of fabric on the floor. Like, like they had one loose thread in their soul and they kept pulling on that thread and they just end up like a ball of yarn on the the floor. And it shows you again, how fragile we, we all are. And we, uh, I wish, you know, there's so much, I noticed in the early nineties when Humvees and people wearing fatigues and stuff, Mm -hmm. where fatigues became sort of a, you know, military fatigues became sort of a, like a look, you know, and models were wearing them. It's like, you know, when I was a kid, your dad gave you the Vietnam jacket or something that you might have worn. You know what I mean? Or it was the guy who really went to Vietnam wore the Vietnam jacket. And but I guess what I'm, I'm, I'm rambling here a little bit. The point is, there came a period of time where everybody's trying to look tougher and meaner, and through an external through externalization, like driving a bigger, tougher truck, Humvees when they became all the rage. You know, or showing all this money, like, you're, you know, like, look at me, I'm so successful, but you live in a one-bedroom studio apartment in some crappy part of town, but you got this, you know, $800 a month lease car. And all these people who are fronting, I call it meringue. You know meringue on a pie? Mm. You know, you're like, oh, don't come me such a big piece of pie, I can't eat it. And then like, oh, no, here you go. And you take a bite and it's fucking nothing. It's, mer- it's air, it's inert. There's a lot of fucking meringue in life. A lot of meringue <laughs> on the internet. What's that? A lot of meringue. Well, on the, the internet has only cultivated even more of that, yeah. right? Because it allows people in, in, you know, tiny little towns when I grew up to to know what's going on in Manhattan or Paris or L.A. or New York or what have you. Well, New York, Manhattan, and as opposed to so regionalism and local things that happened in like used to be a Philly sound. It was a Detroit sound. It was Motown. There was Memphis sound. It was Muscle Shoals. You know, there was San Francisco town. There was right. West Coast jazz, East Coast jazz. You know, they, they, they used to have these uh, identities. And I don't, you know, I don't hear that much anymore. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying it doesn't necessarily exist, but I don't, you don't hear people talking about that. On one hand, that's an extraordinary thing where we've all sort of overlapped and our circles of life have wrapped around each other. But I also think that... Uh, People are afraid to just be honest with each other and open with each other and share with each other and protective of themselves for fear that somebody's going to run over them. 
you know, take advantage of them, manipulate them, control them, dominate them, what have you. And there are people who will take that. There are a lot of takers out there. But again, back to maybe a, a central point that we've said a, on, or touched on a few times, thank goodness for artists and creative people who don't know how to exist any other way but to reveal themselves and their soul and, and, and try, to sp try to speak some truth and bring some truth to a world that's uh, progressively seeming to spin, you know, um, Massively out of chaos. control. In the opposite direction. <clears throat> yeah. Amen. I'd like, I think we should end right there because I can't think of anything better. That's a good way. And, you know, for all of us to just do the best we can. And if can. you were thinking uh, of when you said artist, Kanye West, you probably shouldn't <laughs> be listening to this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Greg, it was an absolute pleasure, Thank man. You. I'm going to give you a mug. You're going to sign the guitar wank telecaster. And, um, thank you guys so much for letting me come. I yes. appreciate it. Anyone, thank, thank you very much. Anyone thank wants you. an amazing guitar album to listen to with killer tones, killer songwriting and playing, go get... Tailgate Troubadour. Tailgate I got Troubadour. it right here. We got it, uh, you had this it. is iTunes. It's, 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 it's right long your feet. gone as a, as it's a right hard my copy. Feet. Right at your feet. There's a copy right here. I got oh, a copy right go here. Go get oh this God, album. Look at that. So Greg, it's on Greg iTunes. Greg 5. Greg 5. Greg 5. Greg the 5th. Greg the 5th. Um, it is a badass album. This is a really just a Thank beautiful you. album. Yes, it's Thank beautiful. You. Tailgate well, Troubadours. Well, I'll give fair warning to anybody. If, if you look, It's not a crazy guitar gone, Guitars Gone Wild record. It's like I said, it's like a soundtrack. Without a movie, uh, yeah, it's okay. So, 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 like, Cinematic. definitely be having sex when you listen to it. For the first <laughs> yeah, time. it is an album you could have sex to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, then there's so few records. Anymore. While you, you look up TroyMcCubbin.com, <laughs> right? Because that's gonna get you all hot and bothered. Yeah, but then don't go to Bruce Foreman, the priest in St. Louis, because that'll <laughs> totally lose that'll it all. I'm putting on that on the widescreen. I'm putting that on the Samsung 55 inch. <laughs> if you've forgotten. <laughs> Just go, and we're going to play some tracks if you don't mind. Oh, there will be time. Yeah. I, I would be grateful. And, um, Thank you. You're going to hear it. All the tracks in these episodes will be from from the album. And, and there, um, there will, this will probably become three like episodes, but we don't. Yeah, have to we'll say spread that. them out. I that, apologize but, um, for that. I man, talk a lot. No, 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 no. It's, no, it's, you, it's, it's been awesome. inspiring. I you know just what? Can't you know say. what's cool? We got we got uh, Greg before Shane Terry. I did on Riff Raff. Well, you know, <laughs> let Shane. Yeah, Shane. Hey, Shane. Yeah. I hope, I hope he called. You know, we talked about it. I love you it. know what? I enjoy it. This is the first one I've ever done. You know, awesome. and, and believe me, Shane won't be near as good. No, he'll be horrible. <laughs> Don't even bother. He'll be hopeless. Me. He's had like Mike Stern yeah, and all these Mike other Stern, players. Yeah, Mike Stern, John Scofield, just because they live in his building. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Love you, I Shane. Mean, you know, we didn't rent a place just to get you. Oh, man. Uh, Greg, thanks, <laughs> mate. Shane. Everyone, thank you. Stay tuned for the 10 questions for the game Ten show. Ten questions. And, uh, and it's we not like Jewish four questions at Passover. <laughs> All, All right. right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, you guys. Thank you guys very much. Mm -hmm.